there. Welcome back to the More With Nikki Dutton podcast. If you're a new friend, welcome. And if you're a faithful friend, you know that I just adore you. And I'm so glad that you would choose to tune in today. Whatever your day finds you, wherever you're at, I'm just grateful that you're here with us. And you're going to be glad that you did because today is a conversation with Faith Yuri Cho. She is a pastor, writer, speaker, mother. She's incredible. And we were connected by a mutual friend, but just kind of run in similar circles. And it was just such a joy to actually get to meet her for the first time. She has been pouring her heart and soul into her new book, Experiencing Friendship with God, How the Wilderness Draws Us to His Presence, which is exactly why I wanted to have her on this podcast, because I wanted to talk about what does friendship with God actually look like in an everyday, real, 2023 present kind of way. I think that friendship with God can seem so far off and it can seem so unknown and mysterious. And that's exactly what I wanted to talk with Faith about. So I think you'll find yourself in a lot of the stories that she shares, but also in the discussion that we have. And our hope is that this just brings you to a new place in your own friendship with God. Enjoy. I have been a Branch Basics fan for almost a year now since I got my first starter kit. We use Branch Basics literally every day, and I love that every product is human-safe, non-toxic, and free of fragrance, hormone disruptors, and harmful preservatives. So they're even safe to use around Scout and Trooper or the kids that we have coming in and out of our home. We have the starter kit, which came with one of the concentrates and multiple refillable bottles for different uses. Plus, we have the glass hand soap bottles in our bathrooms, and we've started incorporating the oxygen boost into our laundry. I can't get enough of it, and neither can Scott. And with the weather cooling down and family and friends gatherings on the horizon, you can get all the products that you need to scrub your house ahead of time, literally what Scott and I are doing today, or have everything on hand to tidy up after big meals together. And you can feel confident that what you're using is safe for everyone. And the beauty is, once you run out, you have everything you need to refill your bottle. So visit branchbasics.com and use promo code Nikki Dutton for 15% off of all starter kits, except for the trial kit. Again, that's branchbasics.com and use promo code Nikki Dutton, all caps, no spaces, N-I-K-K-I-D-U-T-T-O-N for 15 percent off of your starter kit. Faith, I'm so glad that you're here today, and I'm grateful that Aubrey introduced us. We were talking, there's a lot of overlap, I think, between your world and mine, but Aubrey Sampson was kind of that initial person that made the connection. I'm <laughs> yes. so glad to be here. Yes. I mean, for anyone who doesn't know you, who are you, and what does your life look like right now? Yes. Well, my name is Faith Yuri Cho, and everyone always asks, is Yuri my last name? It's actually my middle name. It's my Korean name. Um, and I am a mom of four. Um, my husband and I, we are church planters here in northern New Jersey. And so that's who we pastor or what we pastor. I don't know who, what we pastor. And I'm also the CEO and founder of the Honor Summit, which is a nonprofit ministry that centers Asian American women and serves to build a bridge for her discipleship and activation. And yeah, and everything that I do really is just about um, for all to know and experience the good news, mm -hmm. which is the presence of God. Yeah. I mean, how did you find yourself there? Did you always know that you were going to be in ministry or is that like a plot twist at any point? 
I mean, so my whole life is just a testament to the fact that God is truly sufficient. Like he, like, I think sometimes we think that we need to help him or that he needs help with all these resources and things like that. But he just found me, plucked me out. I mean, I would, did not grow up in a Christian household, um, but there was just a seeking of God in my heart. And I remember one day um, I was watching a gospel film by chance while I was on a family vacation. And this is when I was around six years old. Um, and I remember asking my mother, who is that man on TV? And she said, that's that's Jesus. And I remember saying, he looks like a really nice man. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then I went to the library and I asked the librarian, do you have any books on Jesus? And she said, you got to go to church. And it's just, it was just, um, just a search for God. It was a search for the creator. And, um, I mean, obviously he got me, he, you know, he captured my heart. I was saved when I was 16, but I was saved, um, in Mexico. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I think starting from 17, I just, there was just something in me that I just knew that I don't want to live for anyone or anything else. And so I went into ministry from there. But being a young Asian American woman, um, I have often found that, you know, what I didn't have in terms of connections and resources and things like that, I had in the presence of God mm -hmm. and that he was the good news for me each day, for my calling, for who I was, for the, for my failures, for my ups and downs. And so it's just a lifelong journey um, that has led to everything that I teach and preach about today. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. Thank you for just kind of rolling the tapes back and telling yeah. us like where this started. I can relate to that. My family was sort of in and out of church at best growing up. And I remember at one point we were living in Colorado and we were actually at like a Costco or something like that. <laughs> and I remember seeing, I was like walking through the book section, looking for a new book to read. And I saw this student's Bible, this like kid's wow. devotional Bible. Wow. And you know, that's how the Lord is. Like he just uses these random encounters to draw us to himself. And I remember grabbing, asking my mom, can I get this? And, you know, your parents are like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. I remember going home, like going upstairs to my room and just starting to read through. And I I don't think I made it super far at that time, <laughs> you know, but yeah. just initially kind of that introduction to who the Lord is. And yeah. And then you fast forward years later and now there's these passions attached to this faith. There's this calling attached to it. There's this family yeah. attached to it. So, and yeah. I, I think that that's a really good, just beginning to the conversation that we're having today because we're talking about something that you've been working on for a while now, your book, which is super exciting. It comes out next week, which is yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. So awesome. So excited. Yes. And, and I love, so I got to read, you know, an advanced copy of it. And just as I was starting, I found myself in the first few pages because uh, the foreword is written by Christine Kane, who is my oh. boss. And <laughs> she was talking about this time during COVID when we all shut down all 19 of our global offices shut down and we found ourselves on Zoom for the first time like you and I are today. And she's speaking to those moments of being in this upper Zoom room and there being so many faces looking back at her 
asking, what are we going to do now? How are we going to make it? And and so I know that while there are those moments where the Lord calls us to himself, there are also these moments where there's kind of a shift or a pivot or like a game-changing moment in our faith. And so what would you say has been one of those moments for you where something really shifted or maybe you locked into friendship with God at a deeper level? Oh, yeah. I mean, 2020 for sure. Um, 2020 challenged everything that I thought that I knew. I mean, at that point, I've been in ministry for about 15 years. And so teaching and preaching about the presence of God, about faith, hope, love, you think you know what you know. Um, But when you are in a church planting journey, losing everything overnight, losing your income, um, everything that you know, um, and, and this church planting journey with absolutely nothing, uh, being a week away from being homeless with four children. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just one of those things where I'm like, where's the strategy? Yeah. I don't have a connection into this. Um, where's the resource? And God really challenged my faith in that season. Do you really believe in the sufficiency of my presence? Do you actually believe it? Because if the presence of God was enough to lead and feed a nation in the wilderness for decades, like, can I believe that he could get me through the pandemic? Or do I feel like I need other things to supplement God, right? And I mean, I'm not homeless. I'm here, (laughs) you know, we made it. um, And our church launched our, you know, we all made it through. And, but one thing that I came out of that season was just this, just this full-blown conviction where I could say that I don't even know if I really need faith that the presence of God is sufficient anymore. Like, you know, because I've experienced it. I've, seen it. I felt it, you know, everything that, um, have, has been produced in that season was a miracle, Mm. you know, and I could go on and on about all of that, even down to, um, the home that we live in, the church that was planted, everything was just birthed from the presence of God. And it was a challenge too. It was humbling because when you look at how God designed us, when he created Adam and Eve, he put them in a garden. And I think that's cool because it's a garden that's Mm -hmm. supposed to grow and supposed to spread and expand. And he commissioned them to spread dominion, to expand. But the resource that he's given them was just simply a friendship with him. They they had this relationship with God and they were supposed to expand their garden and live out their calling and destiny with that intimacy with the Lord. Now, when sin happened um, and disobedience happened, obviously the that intimacy got severed and we see the brokenness in this world. Well, Jesus came to bring us back to that intimacy that cannot be broken. And the good news is now we can now live out the great commission yeah. with the presence of God. But sometimes we find ourselves still trying to expand our gardens today, mm-hmm. but without friendship. Yeah. You yeah. know, he, he is the source. He is a reason. He is the reward. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's beautiful because that's the heartbeat of what we're talking about today. Your book is called Experiencing Friendship with God, How the Wilderness Draws Us to His Presence. And I think friendship with God is so interesting because 
it's something that we all would aspire for. It's something that we all would want. And sometimes it can feel very elusive in our everyday life. It can feel so difficult or it can also feel very mystical, like, yeah, friendship with God. But I don't know. There are a lot of things that can be barriers or blockers on a daily basis to our presence with God or our friendship with God. And some of those things are not bad things. Some of them are like, I have four kids. (laughs) Like I'm trying to survive or it can be like a wilderness season, like maybe someone heard your testimony and they think that's great for you, Faith, but I walked through a wilderness season, you know, and it was whatever. There's so many things that can deter friendship with God. So I would love to hear, uh, what do you think that friendship with God looks like on a practical everyday level in 2023? Like, how do we even begin to describe what friendship with God is like? Yeah. Um, such a good, such a good question. I mean, I remember during that year, 2020, I mean, when, like I said, when we were a couple weeks out for becoming homeless, um, losing all our savings by pouring it into the church plan, having four children on Zoom, like all of it. I remember I was talking to one of my friends um, over the phone and she said, Faith, I will be praying for you and God is with you. And I remember feeling angry. Yeah. I remember feeling really. It feels like a cop out, kind of like oh, like just like a thing you say, and it's like we need a house, <laughs> like yeah. we need provision. Yes, absolutely. And I remember being frustrated because I remember thinking that's not enough, mm-hmm. and that was um, that was really uh, heartbreaking for me, for me to realize, wow, I really don't think that God's enough. I really don't think that his presence is enough. Because when somebody says that, I think, well, no, I don't need your prayers. I need a paycheck, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think the practical thing that I have learned and acquired during those times is one, uh, sometimes we get really offended by the mystery. Like, God, what are you doing right now? Like, what is this? You know, how are you going to work through this? Um, how does this even make sense? Mm-hmm. Right. And I think when there's mystery, we immediately translate that to abandonment. We immediately translate that to um, God's not good or God's mad or he's punishing me. He's beating the humility into me, you know, and I think it's really easy to fill in the blanks when actually the key to deepening and enriching our friendship with Jesus is being okay with the mystery. The mystery is normal. And instead of spurring on an offense, God invites us to spur on a curiosity. Lord, this just means that you're going to just fill in the blanks in a way that I cannot even imagine. You know, it says in Ephesians that he could do immeasurably more than what we could even conceive, right? And so I think when things just don't make sense, well, how can you be here if I don't feel you? How can, what can you be doing when there's no options? Truly, we were in so many situations where there was just no way out. And I was thinking, well, that that must mean that you hate me or something. (laughs) You know, and we just fill in the blanks. But actually, the mystery is normal and it's an invitation to go deeper. Mm. It's an invitation to experience more of his presence. It's an invitation to a next level of friendship. And when we redefine our mystery 
and our mysterious seasons and the unknown, when we redefine it, that could really help us on a practical level in developing our friendship with God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's so true. There is this soul wrestling that happens with the mystery. We're uncomfortable with that mystery. We're uncomfortable with gaps. We're uncomfortable with even provision being beyond what we could ask, dream, or imagine. We like what we can imagine. We like what we can behold. That feels so safe. And that feels so, um, yeah, that just feels conceivable. And that's, I think that's the challenge and the opportunity with God is that he is both completely friend and completely conceivable and completely tangible, but also beyond anything we could understand, (laughs) beyond anything we've ever known, unlike any other aspect of our life. Like God is so other. And it's that both. It's the already and the not yet. It's the yes and the no. It's the all of it together at the same time. And I was thinking about this too. I have been in a similar space as you speaking and writing and hosting this podcast and, you know, just ministering for almost about 10 years now. And I also have these same experiences with which I read in the beginning of your book where you have been communicating God's truth for a very long time. And then you start to realize like, do I believe this? Do I think this is true? (laughs) What have I been saying? Like, I I know it's true for you, but is it true for me? Can you talk about that? Like, how do you manage that tension of someone who is constantly communicating about the Lord and his ways, but also wrestling on your own through your own life? It's only humility that could get you through that tension. Um, Because it's interesting because um, I'm reminded of the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. who dedicated their entire lives to getting it right. And they yeah. taught about it. They lived out um, a lot of the principles. I wouldn't say all, but a yeah. lot yeah. in a very strict way. Um, but yet Jesus walked right past them and they missed it. Yeah. They, they missed it. And I think um, when we are walking in the tension of what we think we know and what God is trying to teach us, the only way (laughs) that we can navigate that tension is humility. What are we going to choose? Are we going to choose our ego or are we going to choose intimacy? Yeah. You know, and we're going to have to face that. All of us, every human being is going to have to face that. Um, Are we going to choose the whole... um, I got this. I know this. This is this is my thing. And and there's a sense of control in what we think that we know. But when God challenges that, do we have the humility to walk through that tension? I know one of the um the trigger words these days is deconstruction. Um, some like to rebrand that and say it's a renovation of your faith, or whatever you like to call it, right? Um, and it could feel scary, but actually, if you have the humility enough, you could stay right near God and still really take the time to look at your faith, survey it, and um, rebuild it. At times, even when it's being broken down and chipped away. And so for me, when I see it, I think it's a it's a welcomed opportunity um, to build it, to solidify it, to grow it. 
Love Does is a nonprofit that fights for human rights, cares for the vulnerable, and provides education in conflict zones. And this holiday season, it's officially started, which means many of us are looking for ways to be generous and give back around this time of year. And I can't recommend Love Does more highly. This year, for example, Love Does opened a primary school in Burkina Faso in West Africa and an after-school program in Israel, as well as welcoming more Ukrainian refugees at their recently established school in Poland. And plus, over the last 20 years, Love Does has focused primarily on building schools and safe houses around the world, but they've recently expanded their operations here in the U.S. to include a mobile food pantry to help with refugee resettlement and have a home for teen moms. There are so many ways that you can get involved with or support Love Does, especially if you're looking for ways to make a difference in the end of this year. One of those ways is to join their 10 Club campaign where you donate just $10 a month to one of their programs. Love Does is also launching an opportunity to sponsor a classroom around the world where you support not only financially, but you get to write encouraging letters to the students and get a letter back from the classroom a couple times a year. So amazing. Follow Love Does on social media at Love Does. Visit their website to give, lovedoes.org, or feel like you can do absolutely anything and be inspired by the founder, Bob Goff, on his podcast, Dream Big. Well, and I think that just really calls back to friendship. When you have friendship, mm-hmm. there's this evolution that's happening. There's this knowing better. There's this closeness. And there's moments of of tension that come up. Absolutely. And so, the, yeah, the best of friends are the ones that stick with you yes. through conflict, misunderstanding. And Jesus is so loyal to us. Like he's so, so loyal that he's the kind of friend that's like, oh, you don't get me. You misunderstand me. I'm going to sit right here <laughs> yeah. until we figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the perfect friend in that way, that he's not going to abandon you. You're never too much. I know some people can feel like, well, I'm too much for people. I'm too much of this or I'm too much of that. You're never too much. Your doubts aren't too offensive that he's yeah. like, no, I can't handle those. Like, you need to work those out on your own. That's <laughs> where we see that the Lord really is a good friend. Right. Absolutely. He is loyal. The, that's what the blood of Jesus is. Yeah. That we, what we did not merit, we don't merit his presence. We, we, right. we, we don't deserve the king of all kings to remain with us through every dirty thought, mm-hmm. that every um, inconceivable thing that could come out of our mouths. Like, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, we don't deserve it, but yet the blood of Jesus ensures that he will remain with us through thick mm-hmm. and thin and even through the wilderness, through the disobedience, through all the worst things that, that comes out of us. I mean, the pandemic, I don't know if anyone's really proud of how they really conducted themselves and all the things that came out of ourselves during the pandemic. And yet he remains mm-hmm. and we are where we are because of his loyalty and his love. Yeah. I mean, do you have any tips then for standing in that gap when we're talking about this paradox of mystery and faith? Do you have any recommendations for how we can locate ourselves in God's truth in the midst of, I don't understand the situation around us? Yeah, I would say it's really easy to fill in the gaps with just busyness, um, with other noises, other opinions. I would encourage people to to embrace what I call a a holy pause, 
Mm-hmm. You know, when you find yourself um, assuming things, when you find yourself uh, trying to uh, navigate the pain in your own way with your own flesh, a holy pause, just taking a moment um, just to clear your mind to clear your day, to clear your, um, and if you don't have a day to clear, (laughs) at least clear the next five minutes and sit with God, you know, just to even just sit with him, acknowledge him, right? Um, I think it's really interesting because he's with us, but how often do we just acknowledge him? You know, we don't need to figure him out. You know, we don't need all the answers. There's no requirement for all of that. I think sometimes we feel like, if we understand, then it's success. Then yeah. we have spiritually succeeded. Understanding is not the prerequisite to faith. You know, you could just take a moment to just sit and unravel your heart before him and say, God, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I'm here and you're here and I'll be here. And yeah. you can speak to me or I could cry. Whatever it is, you know, we could just be here acknowledging one another. There's so much power in that, you know, acknowledge him, access him. We have full ability to access the throne room of God, right? Um, And like I said, all of these things are able to happen without actually understanding. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think that's what we kind of just keep circling around is that, it's a different form of faith than maybe we grew up with. I mean, you're talking about how you were introduced to the Lord and the church and all of those things. And I'm talking about this Bible I picked up at Costco, you know, like, and then you step into a faith community, you step into church. And I think that somewhere along the way, I picked up that I, like you said, the Pharisee type of faith of Mm -hmm. the Pharisee type of religion, that Mm -hmm. I have to get it right, that I have to understand it, that I have to be able to explain it perfectly for me to be on God's good side. I I don't know where I came up with God's good side, but I think that it's very easy to feel like I just have to stay on his good side. And by staying on his good side, that's not— asking questions. That's not underlining any parts of my life or my experience that might, I don't know, show that God isn't who he says he is. Like, it's like, we try to protect him. We try to manage Jesus's PR. (laughs) Oh yeah. That's so real. And let me tell you, if anybody feels like they figured him out, um, that's probably a block. Yeah. Deepening one's friendship with God. I mean, he's eternal. Yeah. You know, that's like for us to say, we figured space out. Yeah, we've got every inch mapped. Like, we've got it. Yes. We figured it out. We, you know, we figured out deep, deep sea. Like, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, we figured it out. If we, the moment we say that we figured it out is the moment we stop discovering more. Yeah. You know, and so when we run into mystery, that's a really good sign. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good sign. That means that God is introducing you to the more. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and with your book, it's both. It's the friendship with God, but we've talked about this as well. It's that wilderness season. And wilderness seasons can be so disorienting. You've already talked about a big one for you, which was the pandemic. It was also a big one for me. <laughs> like yeah. I said, being on the other side of that screen and thinking like, I don't know what happens next. I don't know what happens for my family. I don't know what happens for me. So that was a huge wilderness season. Are there any other stories of a wilderness season that you would be willing to share um, that was just a time where things felt disorienting and you had to really find that friendship with God? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, which one? There's so many. <laughs> it's funny because when we talk about wilderness, we say, oh, the wilderness. Like I'm once. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I'm like, I got like, I've got multiple, <laughs> so many wilderness seasons. Yes. Um, I would say, I mean, I do mention this in the book. Um, there was uh, a time I have four kids. Um, two of them went into the NICU, um, because they were born prematurely. And I remember the first one that went into the NICU was my second born, my only son. Um, and I remember how discombobulating, disorienting that was because we really did not think um, he was going to need to be in the ICU. Like it was, it was just a shock. He came out purple. Like I, I, we were like, wait, like we had a relatively smooth pregnancy and he wasn't even that premature. Um, And I was just really in shock. And I mean, as somebody that has witnessed healing, ha- believes in the power of God that preaches on redemption, power, hope. I mean, here's my son in the ICU in, in a breathing machine um, under lights and in wa- like wires and tubes. And I'm praying for him. And I kid you not, I felt like the more I prayed, the worse he got. Mm. You know, sometimes we feel that way. Like, Sometimes I, I guarantee you there's somebody listening in that feels like if they just approach God, things are just going to get worse. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. They, and they would just rather not talk about it with God because they don't want God intervening in some yes. way. You know, and I, I, it's, it's so weird. And it's a weird warped way to think, but it's a, it's a reality for some people. And for me, I'm like, wait, every time I pray, I feel like it's just getting worse. God, just stop it. Just stop. If this is you helping, no, I don't want it. I don't want any of it. And I remember there, there was actually a moment when, um, it was around the third day and I just stopped praying. I stopped praying. And I remember telling God, what's the point? of me praying, if you're just going to do whatever you want. And I kid you not, the moment I said that I got a phone call and it was my pastor and he didn't even say, hi, how are you? I, I uh, picked up the phone and he said, Faith, don't give up. You can't give up. You can't give up. And I was like, wow, God, just, you know, airing out my dirty laundry to all these people in my life. Yeah. You're like, that was a me and you conversation. I don't know why you're bringing him into this. I know it was, but it's, it was so wild because it was truly a wrestling between me and the Lord. I felt like every time I went to him, he wasn't helping me. And it makes you wonder what is the point of going to you if you're not going Mm -hmm. to fix it? What is the point of faith? if it's not giving us the results that we want. And I believe that American church particularly is really wrestling with this because mm-hmm. during the pandemic, during these seasons, during the wilderness of our lives, we're like, wait, well, I went to church and you did not do anything, right. you know? And that was what I was wrestling with. I was like, Lord, I'm just asking for one favor. Um, and I remember there was one time in the hospital where I felt the Lord nudge my heart and say, I want you to give thanks. And I remember thinking, wow, the audacity, right? You're like, like, okay. Okay. And, you know, and I was like, yeah, I must have been wrong. But I felt that nudge to just give thanks. And so I remember just out of just sheer whatever, you know, I, I didn't even do it with a great attitude. But out of reluctance, 
I, I remember taking out my notebook and then just started to give thanks. And the first five minutes, it was cold. It was robotic. I was just like, thanks for this. Thanks for that. I don't know why I'm doing this, you know, because I'm not really thankful. But mm-hmm. it's interesting because you could give thanks without being thankful, yeah. you know, um, and it's possible. And it's it's supposed to it's supposed to happen. You know, you're supposed to still give thanks even when you're not thankful. And I remember there was um, a moment while I was journaling when the nurse came in again. And said, up, oh, you know, we're going to add another thing. He's not getting any better. If anything, his numbers are looking worse. And in that moment, I was so tempted to just be like, forget it. Yeah. Like, you know, just throw the notebook away. But I, I sat there and I just kept journaling. And I remember there was this moment when my heart felt like it was thawing. Like, it, it felt like it was thawing. Um, I remember I started to feel the gratefulness. Mm-hmm. I was starting to feel um, the gratitude. And, um, I remember saying things like, you know, God, thank you for, um, the community around me. Thank you for, you know, um, this and that. And after about like 40 minutes or so, I remember feeling like above the pain, above the disappointment, what was even more palpable and tangible was his presence. And I felt his warmth. I felt his love. I felt his assurance. I felt his acceptance. It it was like, you know, when um, a toddler is throwing a temper tantrum and it's not pretty and it's not cute, but you give that toddler a hug, you know, and then they melt in your arms. You know, it was like that moment. And, you know, even in the ugliness of my attitude, I felt embraced. And in that moment, it was like the Samaritan woman at the well, you know, when she leaves her water jar behind and she runs into the town, um, even though she went for the water, she was able to leave her water jar. That yeah. was like, even though I came for my son's healing, um, for some reason, there was a contentment there was an acceptance. There was a peace because at the end of the day, the purpose of the wilderness is not the promised land. Although the promised land comes with the presence, but really the purpose of the wilderness is God's presence, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, in that moment, it was just me and God. And I mean, long story short, my son was healed and he did get out of the ICU. He's thriving now. Yeah. But I learned a hard hitting lesson in that hospital room that, you know what, like the answers to prayer, they're so good. And they do come with God. They really do. Mm -hmm. Victory and redemption, all that comes with God. But at the end of the day, I exist not for answered prayers. I exist for his presence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that puts it perfectly because really what you're speaking to is this big question we have of where is God when we're in the midst of pain and where is he when we're in the midst of questioning? And the answer is that he's right there. And the things that we do are not to appease God. It's not to give him what he needs or fuel his source that he needs. That's not why we're giving gratitude. That's not why we're doing these things. Like these practices, these spiritual rhythms, these faith acts are really to change ourselves and to hold our hearts in the middle of these very painful experiences. And it's funny because you can't see the end once you start. So when you're starting writing those first few things, it's like, I don't want to do this. (laughs) You know, this feels like a waste of time. And so I think that's encouraging for anyone who's maybe at the very beginning today 
that they feel like this is a waste of my time. I don't even know why I'm here. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't feel any better. My heart feels ice cold. Like I am not getting what faith is talking about. And really your story is an invitation just to like put one foot in front of the other and just to take one more step and one more step and to trust that the Lord leads us into places for our good and for his glory. And that those things are mutually beneficial, (laughs) that he's not just trying to like wring out our lives like a sponge to get glory. Like he really interested in our goodness and in loving us as his friend and as his children, which is, I think something I forget sometimes in the, especially in the middle of the wilderness. Absolutely. It's the gift of the gospel. It is the gift. You know, I think it's interesting because especially as a church planter and a pastor in the church, there's so many reasons why people go to church, you know, um, And you could tell by the way people choose churches, right? Like they say, I want community. I need to find a spouse. I need, I just want to better myself. I'm there. I'm here for self-improvement. I'm here because I just need inspiration to go about my days. I'm here for the strength. And it's so interesting how much we pursue the shadows of his Mm -hmm. presence and not actually his presence, which is why we find ourselves when, the pandemic and things like that happen. We're like, well, I guess it's, it's there's no point. Yeah. <laughs> there's no point yeah. in my faith. And it makes you realize, wow, I think I've been in it, not really for the presence of God, not really for Jesus, but what Jesus offers. Yeah. Completely. Right. But if you consider all the most meaningful relationships in our lives, it's the ones that are anchored by the person. And not what the person offers. Like, what are our marriage vows? You know, through sickness and then health, or whether rich or poor, right? Like, it's to say, I'm in this relationship for you and not for what you offer, mm-hmm. not for, um, you know, how you contribute to my life or the social capital that I get from this relationship, but actually it's for you. And in that mm-hmm. same way, to say that the gospel is good not just because he offers community, which he does, not just Mm -hmm. because he offers a destiny, which he does, but simply because it offers Jesus, who is the reward of Christianity. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And again, I'm just like thinking about the person on the other side of this. Is there any final thing you would say to someone who is listening to this, who they're wrestling with their friendship with God, or maybe they're walking through their own like multiple wilderness season? Is there anything else that you would share with someone that's listening? Yes, God is merciful, merciful and kind. I remember when I was going through um, my own wilderness it often felt like that God was a big, bad wolf, mm-hmm. you know, and that he must be so disappointed in me mm-hmm. and he must hate me or be mad at me, um, especially because all the ugliness of our hearts come out during um, it comes out during the hard times. It comes out during the wilderness. And um, it's really easy to stay away because of shame because of guilt and all this is to say he is slow to anger he is filled with compassion and he is still for you so if anyone is listening in and feeling like well that's nice i mean you know it's good for nikki and faith right um but let me tell you um it's good news for you too mm-hmm. you know um he is still there 
he's still available as long as you have a pulse. You know, God is still hoping for you. God is still on, you know, just on your side and wanting the best for you. And, um, and that big bad wolf mentality that we may have, the assumption that he is against us, it's just not true. It's not. Yeah. 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 I would agree. I would say that the runway of grace is a lot wider than I think we expect yeah. it to be. We, I imagine like a plane trying to land and we think we're trying to like hit this perfect little spot, you know, but really yeah. like this runway is wide. And so wherever someone finds themselves today, they are not too far off. <laughs> They're not too far yeah. gone. They're not too far from the ability to connect with the Lord. So even if today is the first time that someone prays, for the first time in years or months or days, or if you're like, we've talked about where you're saying the prayer, but you don't feel it. You still feel angry. You still feel frustrated. That, that runway is wide and that is completely acceptable. And I think the Lord finds that honorable and just finds love and joy in that and knowing that we're willing to approach him and to engage with the Lord, especially in the middle of when things are hard. So I just appreciate you taking the time to be here today. And I'm so, so, so excited for the book. Like we've talked about this whole conversation really was what you could expect to find in the book, but experiencing friendship with God, how the wilderness draws us to his presence on October 17th. That's so exciting. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you for having me. And it was such a joy. If you love Faith as much as I do, I know you're going to want to find her on Instagram. So you can catch her at Faith Yuri Cho on Instagram. And you can order her copy of Experiencing Friendship with God, How the Wilderness Draws Us to His Presence. Like we talked about, that comes out next week on October 17th. But you can go ahead and pre-order your copy now so that you know that you get it in time. Or you can set a little reminder on your phone to go find it. I'll make sure that I share on my own Instagram once the book drops. But you are going going to love it. I had the privilege of having an advanced reader copy and it is a rich, rich read and it's perfect for the season, for this time. So I hope that you will pick up your own copy and until next time.